This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Rachel Turner, and this week we are looking at the difference in different kinds of prayer, like intercession versus corporate prayer versus chat and catch, and how when we as parents really become comfortable with uh, describing those different types to our children, it can really release our kids to feel comfortable to engage with all different kinds of prayer. We're going to be, well, I'm not going to answer it. Ollie Goldberg is going to answer this for me. How do we equip children to and young people to find their own answers in the Bible? Uh, not just asking the nearest adult to be the Bible answer person. Uh, And also for our wildcard section, we will be talking with Annie Wilmot, who is a fascinating woman who functions as a funeral pastor. Uh, She is a mother of two. She also is a recent author of a book called Cold Cups of Tea and Hiding in the Loo, An Honest Look at Parenting. And we're going to be asking her to uh, talk to us about how we engage with children about death and funerals. Her job is to coach families through and pastorally care families through the funeral process. And uh, she has some wisdom to share for us. So it's all go today. Uh, First, though, I'd like to talk about prayer. Prayer can be a big deal for our kids. And in Parenting for Faith, we consider it really essential to helping a child and young person meet and know God. And uh, so we talk a lot about chat and catch, which is, uh, I guess, our words for how to help our children have an authentic heart-to-heart, face-to-face connection with God and feel free to talk to him in their words and their times and to perceive what God's saying to them directly. And if you want to know more about that, it's on the parentingforfaith.org website. There's all sorts of resources there. You can look under key tools. Uh, You can also look at the Parenting for Faith course, and there's many sessions on chat and catch there. But uh, I was really reflecting on, um, on on the different types of prayer and how we want to facilitate our children to feel comfortable between the different types. And so chat and catch really is a way of us stepping out of the middle of our children's connection with God and saying, it's between you two. It is none of my business to hear what you'd say to God and what God says back. And I'm going to coach you on how to do that. And I'm going to help you learn how to perceive God's communications. And I'm going to help create space for you to honestly tell God stuff. And I'm just going to help your individual relationship with God without me in the middle of it. And that's what chat and catch is. It's it's about helping our kids find their own path with God. But there are other types of prayer that we do that are really helpful to enable our kids and empower our kids to do as well. And so another thing that we can talk about is something, well, you call it, some people call it intercession. It's that moment where we as individuals are saying, I want to bring something to God. I want to stand in the gap and say, oh God, please do this. And as parents, we can facilitate our kids chatting and catching with God for themselves, but we can also 
pray for them in a way that intercedes for them. And we love that. That's one of my favorite things to do with my kid is to enable my kid to chat and catch and then to be like, right, um, can I pray for you? Because I got lots of words I want to ask God to do. And to just put my hand on my kid and say, oh God, I pray that you give him this, give him that. And I love this kid and I pray that you would fill him up. And that sort of intercession of praying for our kids. Our kids love hearing us do that. Um, to hear what our hearts say to God about them and what we're interceding for them. And that's really important that they know that we are doing that, but also that they are empowered to do that too, that they, as children of the living God, can stand in the gap for us and for others. You can say, hey, I'm having a big meeting today. Would you mind, you know, interceding for me and standing in the gap and asking God for things for me because I, I'm really going to need it. And when I get nervous, my brain sort of forgets to ask. And if I knew that you were asking uh, for things from God for me while I'm doing this, I would be really, really grateful. And to sort of let them know and see the impact their prayers make on your life and knowing that they're on your team and that you're bringing them to God behind your back is a great thing to give them. I also know families who sort of do this um, as a as a family and they have a wall of of well i think it's like a chalkboard uh, where they write names of people on it uh, and situations that they're praying for individually and as a family and anybody can add to it and that they are standing in the gap uh, and they can do that by chatting to god individually they can do about that together but just knowing that there is a communication between them and god that is that deeply personal stuff and there's also that power that we have to intercede and to pray, whether it's individually or together. And then there's, I guess, what I would call corporate prayer, which is what happens at church, which sometimes happens within families where everybody gets together and side by side, they sort of take turns praying. And I think because it's been so mushed in the past, it can be a bit like pulling teeth when you're like, come on, say a sentence. Uh, And I think that's generally because one, children or young people haven't really gotten comfortable in their chat and catch yet. And so if you're not comfortable having a one-to-one conversation with somebody, then it's almost like it'll be more awkward if you have to talk to them publicly in front of a lot of people. Like I'd much rather meet someone face-to-face and have a chat rather than have the opportunity and a mic put in my face and been like, here is your moment to say something to this big famous person. That scares me and makes me clam up because I'm like, oh, I'm really aware of all these people in it, it feels so public where I'd probably have a really good chat with them one-on-one. And so um, if your kids are struggling with chat and catch or haven't quite found their pace in their one-to-one connection with God, you may find them get more reticent in the together bits. And that's okay. They're still growing in their connection with God. So just be aware that they may be, you know, they feel it's a bit more exposing, Uh, but you can describe it to your kids. This isn't, you know, chat and catch time. When we come together, there's something unique about when everybody comes together with the same heart uh, around a, a topic, around a time. And and sort of uses their words to express not only their hearts, but the hearts of everybody to say, oh God, we love you instead of I love you. Or, oh God, this is what was on our hearts and, and we come before you as your children. And there's something really special about the unity and coming together. And and it's, and it's you can make it normal for them. You can say, it's okay, it's tricky to know what to say sometimes. And uh, what, what is really important is that your words help other people's hearts express to God. And it... It helps fills in those holes. We can all together work on what our hearts are saying to God. And it's really a wonderful thing. And so 
it's okay to say something little. It's okay to say something big because our hearts are all together. So we give space so that everyone can have a chance to do that because the more we have everybody's voice, the more we get to really experience the togetherness and your voice is important as we bring our heart to God. And that's, that's really helpful for your kids to know. It's also really helpful for them to know how to engage with that. Like, listen to the words. And when you really, really, really agree with something, then you can say the words, amen, because that's what your heart rings with. And you don't have to say at the end of every one, you know, listen to the words and really jump in with it when you mean it. And just give them a way of engaging with that corporate prayer. Uh, some kids I know really benefit from role play as well. If you say, if you're ever stuck at church or at home when we're all together, let's come up with a sentence that you know you can always say, because sometimes it's just figuring out what to say first. And you guys can together come up with, you know, your sort of opening thing that you can always say so that you never feel at a loss for words and you can just be comfortable if that's your child's um, struggle. But however you choose to describe it, however your pattern of life is, those different aspects of prayer are really helpful to think through, whether your kid's two or whether your kid is 16. Uh, just knowing that there's a chat and catch, heart to heart, intimate, them only conversation. There's the power we get given as children of God to stand in the gap and pray powerfully for others and ask for things and and intercede and there's this corporate time where we have a really special time of coming together where we uniquely get to be us together primarily and facilitate each other's hearts and our heart at the same time and so as you grow uh, in your family and outside of your family help them identify those things and and learn the different uh, heart positions so that they don't feel like it's one big mush but that they can learn to be comfortable and all the different kinds of ways to engage with the god that is their father and king and redeemer and savior and friend uh, it's a wonderful thing a life of prayer and you can help them in all of it for our question today i got someone else to answer it <laughs> because uh, i love scripture and i think helping kids love scripture is, uh, is a wonderful thing, gift that we can give children. And uh, my friend Ollie Goldenberg uh, has done this for decades with children and has some really great tools and tips for us as parents. And so rather than try to uh, take his wisdom and repeat it back to you, I thought we'd go straight to the source. So here is my friend Ollie Goldenberg, uh, who has been a children's pastor and uh, worked with children and families uh, over three decades and around the world. And uh, this is his wisdom on how we can help children and young people find their own answers in the Bible. So I'm here with Ollie Goldenberg and we've had a question sent in from a parent who's asked, how do I equip my kid to find answers for themselves in the Bible? Okay, great. This, this is a really good question. And actually, this is leading to a place of spiritual maturity, isn't it? Mm. If, if, we, if I think of what I want for my children is that they have a heart after God. And that will be shown through their worship life, their prayer life, and their turning to the word for answers. Everything else kind of spills out from that, mm. um, whether it's what they're catching from God, uh, the catching chats that Rachel talks about, all of that spills out from those things being like the center foundation. So this, this is a really key question. The first thing I want to encourage you to do is this. Show your children how you find answers in the word yourself. And what I mean by that, for me, with my kids, um, when, when I'm reading through the Bible and there's a verse that kind of stands out and slaps me around the face and I get all excited about it, 
whilst I'm excited about it, I bring it to my kids and go, oh, have you found this first? <laughs> and they hear this kind of, this splurge of me talking with excitement about what I've found in God's word, which is infectious. Yeah. When someone else is excited, it's infectious for you. And so that's led my children to wanting to read the Bible for themselves and to dig into the word for themselves and to find out what it says for themselves. And so we make that a, a pattern in our family, that we are a family who regularly read scripture, both as individuals and, and separately. Mm. Um, the second thing to do then is to model, and I think you guys talk about windows in Parenting for Faith, to, to model how you find answers to not just being the excited about scripture, but I was struggling with this and I went to the Lord and prayed about it. And this is the verse that's come <coughs> to me. And this is how I'm I'm chewing it over and thinking, what does this actually mean? It says to love my enemies. This person's annoying me. What does it actually mean to love them? I'm thinking about how I can do this mm. so that we're framing things in terms of scripture. Then the, the third thing, and so you can see I'm kind of building this up in, in layers. If we just come in at the, the kind of top of, now you go to the Bible, go and have a read and find your own answer. Most kids are going to look at the Bible and go, Mm, what? Where do I begin? Yeah. They'll be doing the random, open it at any page and see what I can find thing. But the, the third thing then is to sit with our children when they're going through something and um, not beat them over the head with Bible verses, but to show them how Bible Bible verses actually relate to what they're going through at the moment. Um, so if they are struggling with being bullied at school, we can look at things that talk about loving your enemies. Well, that's not an easy. Do good to those who hurt you. Well, that's not an easy verse either. It's mm. not necessarily one we would go, Mm, this is this is what you must. I don't hear many people actually advising in this kind of way. Yet when we, we have scripture as our foundation, it becomes um, a life force for us because we're tapping into what God has for us. Mm. And so our children grow through that, even though it may seem hard at the time. Um, and then then the real ultimate is then when they're digging through and you say, hey, have you found anything in scripture as they're growing a little bit? Up? Have you found a verse that that helps you? Is there a story you can think of any, of anyone else who felt like that everyone was against them or maybe even wild lions were against them? They're thinking, you know, you're going into the lions then in your school, aren't you, with the way people are treating you? What, what happens there? Oh, I know Daniel. And so we're kind of asking those open questions that maybe prompt them towards Bible stories that they know mm. until they get to the next stage, which is they're then coming to us and saying, have you seen this? This is happening. Or have you thought, well, I've been thinking about this, dad. Um, my kids now, they come with me and they, they bring such revelation from the scripture um, because they're digging for it themselves. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've got to share just one. Go ahead. Um, Go for it. Just, We'd love to hear this. Is, this, is, I mean, this is not a specific answer to a problem, but it's an insight that one of, one of my sons came. He came to me and said, Dad, how many um, temples are there in the Old Testament? And I was quite pleased because I knew the answer to this one. So I said, oh, there's three. There's, a, there's Solomon's temple, the first one. There's the one rebuilt under Nehemiah. And then there's the third one which is um, uh, Ezekiel's temple, the one that's still to come. And uh, he, sa he said, oh, no, there's way more than that. I'm like, no, they're not. <laughs> he said, no, no, there is. He said, what's a temple, Dad? And I'm going, um, well, it's, uh, um, uh, okay, what is a temple, son? <laughs> he said, Dad, a temple, isn't it where there is the concentrated, manifest presence of God? I'm like, that's a temple. Yeah, I agree with you there. <laughs> he said, okay, so the first temple was the whole earth because the spirit hovered over the waters of the Amna. Whoa, yeah, the first temple is earth itself. The second temple was the Garden of Eden. So I, I guess I'm saying this to say our children, I think sometimes we have a tendency to think they won't engage with scripture because they've tried and it was boring. Yeah. But if we get them enthusiastic about scripture because of our love and our joy for it and our way of pulling insights out of it, they're going to pick up on this. And when they start to run with it for themselves, then when they have a need, they will know where to turn to find it. 
all scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In other words, stick yourself in God's word and you're going to be ready for everything God's got for you. The word of Psalm 119 verse 105 says, um, God's, your word is a light to my feet, a lamp to my path. Mm. When God's word is in our children, the, those Hebrews describe it this way, by reason of use have learned to discern right from wrong. Um, we really have to help our children to engage with God's word in, in these ways so that it's more than just hearing the stories, but there's, there's an excitement of what treasure God's going to reveal to them. And then when there's a need, then they know where to go. Yeah. And yeah. what you've explained so well there is not just throwing them in the deep end as well, you know, yeah. uh, like teaching them to swim. It's step by step. You're showing them how you do it and then and then helping them along the way and just being so yeah. open to their questions and exploring your own questions as well. Uh, we've got lots Absolutely. of that on our website and I think it's such a, a great way for them to learn and explore themselves. And it gets even more exciting when they start pointing to other people yeah. and saying, hey, here's a Bible verse that you need for you. So it's not just about my own needs, yeah. but they're now looking out to see how can God's word help other people through what they're going through. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you, Ollie. And now for our wildcard section, it is my great pleasure and joy to introduce my friend, Annie Wilmot. Annie Wilmot uh, has been a children's pastor. She has uh, two children that are absolutely wonderful. She has loads of wisdom. And right now she is working as a funeral pastor. She uh, holds the hearts of families through the process of planning a funeral. She uh, performs, she, well, she leads the funeral for them and she provides uh, past post funeral care for them. And she uh, really has become incredibly adept at uh, walking with families uh, and individuals through that grief process and that that um, really difficult time. Uh, she also uh, is an author. She has uh, recently written a book called Cold Cups of Tea and Hiding in the Loo, An Honest Look at Parenting, which is coming out in January, and I would really recommend you get it. Uh, but first, I really wanted to get her wisdom on talking about funerals and death with children and young people, because it's a tricky thing. Sometimes we can talk about death or grief as a whole, but how do you actually talk to them and prepare them for funerals and grief and all the stuff that happens? And so this is Annie Wilmot sharing her wisdom about that. Hi, my name is Annie Wilmot. I am mum to a four-year-old and a 20-month-old, and currently I I feel like I do lots of different roles, but I work as a funeral pastor and I write. I've just written a book about parenthood and faith, which is coming out soon. Um, and I do various other bits and pieces. But my background has been um, as a children and families pastor, having trained in social work um, and and working, help, helping parents um, get, help their kids connect with God. And all of my background and then my being a mum has made me think lots about sort of how we have conversations with everyone, but particularly with our kids. So I started a blog called Honest Conversation, which came out of a conversation with a friend of mine who felt like she wasn't allowed to say she was having a really hard time as a mum. And I just felt like we should be able to be honest about the good stuff and the bad stuff about everything 
Um, so that blog started about parenthood and then developed into faith. But since I started working as a funeral pastor, um, and since I had kids, I've thought a lot about talking to our kids about death. Um, and it's something I'm still thinking about lots, but one of the big things I think is just how important it is to be honest. And even with children as young as mine, death is um, a topic that's talked about quite regularly in our house due to my role as a funeral pastor. Um, But we're really keen that it becomes a totally normal thing to talk about in our family, not something that's mysterious or scary, but something that they know can happen and actually they feel prepared for it. Um, So we've had lots of conversations just in our house about it and sort of I've watched him processes learning through play um and even the other day I caught um my eldest son um in a restaurant he'd disappeared and so I went to find him and I heard him asking the waiter um will you die and this poor waiter looked terrified and was like uh um and um, my son said because everybody will die and it's just so matter of fact about it um but so in my in my current role as a funeral pastor I meet with families um, and we chat together and we put together the funeral service or ceremony and I take the service and then I am there to pastorally care if they need help um, afterwards. So I I was thinking, so I thought of some tips for talking to kids about death and about funerals. So I thought I'd share those and then share a bit about um, preparing for a funeral as well. So firstly, I mean, this won't be a surprise given everything I've just said, but be honest with your children. If um, if you're grieving and someone has died, it's okay to not know what to say. It's okay to say to your kids, I don't know what I'm feeling or to to tell them that you're really angry I think it's really important to show your own emotion, whether that's sadness or anger or having a moment of actually just happily reflecting and remembering your loved one. Because the more that you share and show your own emotion, the more that they know it's okay for them to have emotions too. So it's really important that you accept what they're feeling. If they're crying, don't tell them not to cry, but let them cry and be with them in their sadness. If they're angry, let them be angry. And I think... It's really important just to be in that moment and not feel you need to fix it. Um, because if you've lost someone, you know that sometimes you just need to cry or you just need to feel whatever it is that you're feeling. And actually, we need to allow our kids to do that. Um, another tip would be don't use euphemisms. Don't use euphemisms. Um, so look, I think lots of research has shown that realistic words really help. So rather than saying... Uh, grandma passed away or she went to sleep or she crossed over to the other side say that the person died or um, grandma is dead Um, children take things really literally and if you talk about someone being lost they'll wonder where they when they're going to be found or if you talk about them passing away it's it's confusing Um, and going to sleep makes sleep seem like a really scary thing if they know that someone could just go to sleep and not wake up um so realistic words talking about someone dying are actually really helpful um particularly as kids fill in the um 
the gaps so the more we can be honest and tell them exactly what's happened um that's better um another tip would be to answer their questions let them lead you so don't be afraid to let your kid ask questions and figure out all the bits they need to know sometimes they start asking questions and you think you're going to go really deep um and actually they're satisfied with an answer and they go off to play um but let them lead you. You don't need to tell them everything immediately because you feel like you need to be completely honest about it all. Actually, you can be honest and tell them what you need them to know and then let them lead you if they want to know more information. And often those conversations will just happen um, steadily over time. And then I think invite them in. So invite them into conversation Um invite them to talk about things but also allow them not to be part of that so if you've got lots of family over who are grieving for a love lost loved one or a loved one who who's died um allow your child to be part of that but also if they want to just go and play that's okay children process things in a very different way and often they're very quick to move on i remember a friend of mine um after he his wife had died talked about how his son would be really intensely talking about something and then just go off and play. And actually in the moment he felt like, oh, he really hasn't understood it. He's not grieving very well. But as the time's gone on, he realised he was, but that's just the way he was processing it. So I think allowing our kids to to do it differently, but just to keep open with them and processing it with them. Um, But yeah, invite them in to the conversation, but also invite them to the funeral or the memorial or whatever practical way you have of saying goodbye. I I did a funeral recently where one of the grandsons who was about eight didn't come to the service and that was his choice. He just, he was so upset he couldn't handle the service, um, in his words. But then he decided to go to the memorial afterwards and read a poem there. And so he was able to figure out for him what was the best way of saying goodbye. So when it comes to preparing for funerals, some of the things to to think about will be what it looks like, who will be there. Practically, where will the body be? It's not something we necessarily like talking about. We're not very good about talking about things like that. But for the kids, that's what they'll wonder. So fill in the gaps that they're going to be questioning or unsure about. Um, Explain to them what will happen. So I... um, I do this with adults, but I, especially if they were going to be kids at a service and I will try and check, I'm very, very clear on what is happening now and what's happening next. So we'll talk about, um, we're going to sing this song for this reason. Um, and then this song is going to pl- play whilst we stand. And as the song finishes, we'll close the curtain. Um, the practical bits of the service like that can be a big deal. And the more that a kid can be prepared for what's happening and why it's happening, the better, I think. Um, if you can get hold of an order of service beforehand, then you can prep them and talk through what's going to be happening. Um, and if it's a service that's being organised for your loved one and you're part of organising it, then have them meet the person that's taking it or chat to the person taking it about your child being there and how you want them to be involved. Um, there are lots of great resources online. Um, the dying matters website is all about having conversation about death and at a loss website has got lots of different resources um i'm also really happy to chat um 
if anyone has any more questions you can come and find me at honestconversation.co.uk and on any of my social media And the last question to ask your kids to start an interesting conversation is this. In all the stories in the Bible, when do you think God was the happiest? Have a really interesting conversation. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you.